Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 258, episode 2 of Daredevil is Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it is Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. 10-12, 2-2. Mm-hmm. 10-12, big buddy. You know what that <laughs> means. It is National Farmers Day, National Gumbo Day. Oh, shit. Shut up, Gumbo. Okay. National Savings Day, National Vermont Day, National Bring Your Teddy Bear to Work or School Day. I don't know about that. National Curves Day, National Emergency Nurses Day, National Fossil Fossil Day. I almost said fossil fuels. Pardon my uh, <laughs> habit there. National Stop Bullying Day, National Take Your Parents to Lunch Day. I mean, what better fossils are there than the fuels that run our country? You or know? your parents that you yeah. can take to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> true also. I do not yeah. have my teddy bear here today, but I, I am assuming my four-year-old will be partaking in that Is this one. the teddy bear industrial complex trying to be like, hey, man, it's all good. You can bring this shit to work, too. Right. Not just for kids. Yeah. But hey, do, hey, do you. Bring them Love to work, it. I guess. Bring them out. Love it. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, my name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Give me the gist of it and please explain. Ain't got time to spend deciphering. Look at this all scroll. I'm about to ball. 
this writer though couldn't be better. Ooh. I had to I had to go Adam Sandler voice for that one to make it work in my okay. head. That is courtesy of Radio Giorgio. That is the letter by the box tops, which is a song I knew, but I didn't know it by the Anyways, I'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. I said, Jack, you're eating stale candy. You need the freshie. A freshie, freshie. Caramel needs to be chewy. You need to eat a freshie. A freshie, freshie. See, it's hard for me to do the the, the sort of callback and the fresh and so fresh and so clean chorus yeah. there when it's just one voice. But you got what I was trying to say. Like oh, I, I said, it. with candies, you can't be eating stale candy. You need a freshie. Shout oh, out man. to Fighter of the Nightman on this one. I'm working on it. Outcast yeah. inspired AK. Have you had it? Yeah. I mean, look, a fresh Charleston chew. It'll do something to you. Fre- and fresh Twix. I, I'm in I'm in the world where my Twix are so old that they have the consistency of Charleston chew. So oh, I need I need help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but apparently, yeah, if you get a fresh Charleston chew, it makes all the difference. Yeah, it does. Well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a very funny comedian and podcaster who you can hear on yes, the Rhythm yes. and Bay podcast and her yes. stand-up albums, Trash Baby, and one of NPR's best stand-up albums of last year, Nobody's Queen. It's mm-hmm. Jasmine Ellis! Hi! Hey. hey! Welcome, welcome. Welcome. Thank Jasmine. you. Thank you for How having me, you? y'all. I'm excited. Oh, it's good to have you. Good to have you. You're in L.A. by way of Texas? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm from Dallas, Texas. Moved here from Austin, Texas in September 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. Damn. So you moved in the pandemic. Okay. People, oh, I get that reaction so hard. And yeah. it always cracks <laughs> me up because y'all, okay, that's very LA of you. Because yeah. like for the rest of the country, we were like, we shut down for four or five months. And then the government was like, hey, go back to your job. Or you like, we're, the unemployment's cut off. You don't get to sit at home. Right, right. right. So then my, my lease goes up, like, like there's no rent control in Texas. So your landlord can just be like, Hey, we decided to double your rent because some, you know, Elon Musk is missing, moving tech people here and we'd rather they live here. Okay. So I had a friend who had a place in LA and I was like, you know what, if the rent's going to be the same anyway, I've always wanted to, you know, try it out and see what Santa was like here. And also like you had a, I really genuinely thought that like, we were going to get the vaccine, get a handle on it. There wasn't going to be any, like, there was a lot of news that made it look like 2020 was going to be the end. So I thought I was just getting in on a good deal on some rent. <laughs> and, then, like, and then I was going to get to enjoy a pandemic-free 2021. I thought I was oh, just boy. certain. No, I didn't. Yeah. It didn't feel like the middle. I thought it was the beginning of the end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And for, for me, my shock was more of, like, the effort that it takes to move, not even when it happened. I was like, man, because the idea of packing shit. Especially like I can't even move across town. Right? So I give it up to people who are moving across the country to places. I'm like, wow, I'm also I think it just makes me realize I'm very lazy. So I appreciate that uh, about you and your ability to move because you have dreams. It is. You know, what? it's not as hard as it looks. You just kind of go all. like, what do I really care about? You load it up in a car and you mm. just drive. Yeah, you just go. I like the answer better when people are like, it's the hardest thing in the world because that makes me feel better because moving is very hard for for me. But yeah, it can it can be easy if you're if you're good at prioritizing and doing things like that. How have (laughs) you you found Los Angeles? Oh, God, I hate when people ask me this question because I especially are you guys native L.A. Los Angeles? I'm local. Yeah, I'm local. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then I can say I'm a local. I'm a local scumbag. I, it's okay. 
I yeah, go ahead, say whatever things. you want. I don't care. There's a, I, there's a lot of things I hate, but you okay. like there's so many things I hate, and my list of things I hate is too long, and it makes Los Angelinos just be like, "Fuck you, then go back home." No, <laughs> you know what? If you ain't got no money, take your black ass home. I'm like, I, I don't have any money. You're absolutely right. And my landlord is charging me a first and a last, and I'm not going to get my deposit back, so I can't take my broke ass home. I'm just right. kidding. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it all. Just, I bet it all. It's just, it's so expensive to breathe here. Yeah. And for right. no reason. The amount of time, sometimes I'll, I have the money for something, but it's just so, I mean, granted, this is also inflation. Yeah. Sometimes I'll right. just be in the grocery store, like $8 for grapes. You know what? I don't even want food anymore. Like, I'm yeah. just right. mad all the time. Yeah. And that's before I, the tequila, as Dr. Oz <laughs> so, so brilliantly put it, you know? The crudite. <laughs> when you buying your crudite platter? <laughs> man who's grapes. never been to the grocery store before. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, Dr. Wait, Oz. Wait, what's, hey. what's your other gripe? I like to hear this, though. I mean, I'm from L.A. Like, I'm, 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 I'm not offended by anybody coming to a city and being like, I don't like these things because I'm not. Like it's everyone has their own experience. I'm, I'm, but I am curious, especially through the eyes of a comedian, someone who makes observations and is analytical. What is something else that you're kind of like? Okay. If I could change this fucking thing, change one thing and make it better. Okay. Oh well, as a comic, I got to say LA audiences, and I, this is gonna make it sound like, well, then you're just not funny. But it took me a while to learn the the language of LA audiences. Like one, y'all hyper pride yourselves on the exact street corner you live on. So if you say something about how like. <laughs> Oh man, people over here like this. They'll be like, uh, "Excuse me, I do not live on Melrose. I'm right, on the right. other street of West Hollywood. We're so different. <laughs> right, right, so, right. So like, you can't make even slight generalizations at all. Right. Like, you have to be super specific. <laughs> and also, like, audiences are because it's like the average like schmuck doesn't doesn't have like the money and resources to do stuff. So like, most audiences are just like. 22 year old influencers who are just there to be seen. <laughs> yeah. And they silent yeah. laugh. The right. way hot girls laugh without <laughs> sound is terrifying. Just like shoulder, shoulder bopping, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, don't move too much of your face. And like, and right, they'll like, and go, you were so funny. I was dying. You're like, well, give I, it up then with your, vo- with your yeah. vocalizations. Tell please. your lungs, tell your, tell your body. Tell your it's brain like being that. a horror movie. I'm like, you. Can, I can see you, but I can't hear you. It's it like, makes... Well, they're all background actors. So they're used yeah. to being in the background where you're not allowed to make noise. The habits. So they're they're like, like, you. Me, we add is... the laughter later. So this also, is... no one is in a declared relationship, which makes crowd work really fucking hard. Because you're just like, how, you, how long you guys been together? Uh, uh. Uh, I mean, it's all well, very, I mean, we don't really like, what do you mean you don't like labels? It's all very like, nebulous. <laughs> well, yes. I'm her acting coach, so... Oh, yeah. okay. Never mind. Yes. And no, it's just no one's like, so I learned to just kind of transition how I talk about things right. and, and come from a placement of like, they need to be patted on the back a lot. So if I'm just right. like, you LA people are so cool because you do this. Here's what the rest of the, like, it's, you need to be <laughs> Oh, right. Just pandered. that framing of like, you guys are so cool. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everyone's used to like fake, like everything. I don't like fake assness, but like. <laughs> The compliment sandwich is how you have to present an idea or right. else you lose the crowd so fucking fast. And it's right. Sorry, right. I'm out on this pitch deck. What? It's a, <laughs> what are you talking about? This is a stand-up set. <laughs> she lost me when she didn't compliment sandwich me. Get to the call to action. The what? This isn't a fucking ad campaign. Yeah. Yes. And they just, I don't know. It's also people who think they're really smart, but like can't entertain an idea they haven't heard yet. 
Also, like, okay, I'm just stop, I'm <laughs> Yo, just bitching. I'm loving this though because I, you know, I'm a transplant from the East Coast, and there is a cultural difference to LA that I like can't quite put my words around. But I'm like, I'm definitely not like their speed. So like having you kind of put, I, I need people oh. who are able to put this to words. Oh, so the East Coast terrifies me, y'all. Like the part of the country that runs on Duncan, I can't. Okay, like Boston, Philly, right. y'all scare. I walk too slow. I like I take my time ordering. I look Southerners were just built different, and yeah. I love that about us. And you know what's funny is I had like zero Texas pride in Texas, and now it's like the first thing out of ma- my mouth. I'm like, well, in Texas, right. like I'm just I'm right, right, so right. annoying. <laughs> That's so true. There on the East Coast, I feel like there's a presumption of unhappiness, like that there's a layer of like I don't know Catholic guilt or just like discomfort, and that is something that I've like not been able to scrub out of my personality. I'm just like, what? We're all right. This this sucks. No, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> Everything's great. Uh, actually, you guys are great. There are some weird things about L.A., but like I said before, you guys are great. That was my attempt at a compliment <laughs> sandwich. It didn't go very well, but as you can tell, I'm not good at L.A. I mean, I've got it. It took me a while to figure out because I literally, I think I was angry too. So I get on stage and be like, you guys are sociopaths, man. Like, nobody <laughs> likes a set that starts like that where you're just like, you don't put your grocery cart back and you block two parking spots, you know, like, and they're like, yeah. not me individually, <laughs> <laughs> not on this corner of the street. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, look, if you have, if you need a quick buck, just be a pedestrian in Beverly Hills and walk through a, a crosswalk. Chances are someone in a very expensive car is not looking and will make right. a right turn straight into you. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, and they'll do know, it while streaming live on Instagram. So yeah. you, you know, have the evidence. You have, yeah, there'll be witnesses for sure. Mm. <laughs> I believe it. I absolutely believe it. All right, Jasmine, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we are talking about. There was a non-development in the explanation for why Trump had all those documents, but the New York Times certainly wanted to run with it. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we will talk about L.A. City Council. Yikes. Really? Holy shit. It, it sounds like a what, fucking movie. Yeah, it sounds like the bad guys in a movie getting together yeah. to, you know talk about stuff and they're just checking the boxes like racism uh, gerrymandering more racism anti-semitism uh the whole the whole thing and anti-semitism having and a, y'all having a huge they're democrats week. too wow right. look yeah, yeah. you see how that works it can happen anywhere democrats. you yeah. see the status quo can affect anybody it's not a left or right thing at all yeah yeah like, some people are like aghast they're like but how could them like come on y'all you know how power works it's not, it's not one side doing it uh, in a very holy way while others aren't. And then we might talk about why Airbnb is the best horror movie villain these days. I hate Airbnb, yes! Oh, <laughs> good. Spooky? I think we will get to that story then. All of that, <laughs> plenty more. But first, Jasmine, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? Oh, God, what was the last thing I searched? Oh, collapsible Tupperware. Okay, mm. so, listen! Oh, yeah, hold on, no, listen. I'm ready. This is the life hack we all need. Like, I don't, if you carry a backpack, a tote bag, a Telfar, uh, whatever with you, collapsible Tupperware is the way to go. Because, like, when you get the, bo- like, the boxes from the grocery store, it's not, like, really cold enough to actually keep anything just right. Mm-hmm. I love, like, I love a good restaurant with big portions, and I am absolutely taking my leftovers home, but sometimes you oh, can't yeah. always get them home, so... I was looking up collapsible Tupperware and then I found like a great deal. And I was like, oh, I'll just get some for me and my mom and my sisters for Christmas. Wait, hold on. So 
in, in this scenario, the Tupper or the to go container at the restaurant you're at does is not sufficient enough to transport your leftovers. No, is that what I I'm, like, I, I, that's what I feel like I'm hearing rather than being like, because I'm like, is that a problem? Like, you know how the restaurants take away fucking carriers or bullshit. Yes. That... <laughs> <laughs> You've never thought they were bullshit. They're not strong I mean, enough. Wait, they go leak, on, but give me an example. Take, no, take me, take me with you on this journey of being of of understanding how the restaurant takeaway containers are bullshit. They're not, okay. They're they're flimsy. They're weak. Most of the time, they're made out of paper. You don't even get me started on paper straws. Look, yeah. Stop Oof. putting the the honest on stopping climate change on regular people. Okay. Like, hey, I will take, listen, I need my plastic straw. People who so, sip drinks. What do you say? I said people who sip drinks. They are the ones who are absolutely the cause of and somehow solution to climate change. Mm-hmm. I, I despise, I just, I hate it. I would rather put my <laughs> mouth on, on a raw sidewalk than a paper straw. I hate it so much. <laughs> You know, like having just the thing in your mouth just dissolve into little like soft <laughs> paper chunks. Uh, as I got one right it. here with this coffee I bought, and it's oh. like it's it's puffing out right now. It's, yeah. it's starting to absorb. I'm like, okay, the clock is ticking on this one. It makes me so a. It's not even worth it. It's never <laughs> worth it. But yeah, disposable, not disposable, collapsible Tupperware. I was looking up different options and trying to find ones that are. That had like the separation. That way, your foods don't have to touch. Oh, com- oh wow! I li- hey, I feel you on that. Yep. Here's what the inspiration for this, and again, weird Texas stuff. My little sister was at the Texas State Fair, and she was like, "Girl, I brought I <laughs> Tupperware with me to the State Fair. It was the best idea. Now I have turkey leg for weeks." So just <laughs> <laughs> turkey. That is that is a large collapse. Like that is a. I, I feel like you need a tent layout to be get, getting yeah. multiple turkey legs and a piece of Tupperware. That's, well, you that's can, kind of what impressive. You, can you hold a bass guitar in there? I In a medium telfar, you could fit like three turkey legs wrapped okay. up. Okay. <laughs> if, right. if, you, if you use foil paper and a good, right. a good long ways oblong rectangular container. Yeah. Right, right, so right. right. I, I was I bet you were looking for something juicier or weirder than that, but that no. was really the last is, thing no, I searched. That got it. Well first I just like the idea of meeting somebody who is dissatisfied with the the fucking takeaway shit at a restaurant where they're like, yeah, and I'm gonna take that to go and like, you know what? Actually fuck that. I brought my own this time because y'all are <laughs> fucking around in here. Right. Uh, and which but at first I thought you meant that because as somebody who has like a just chaotic collection of Tupperware. Oh my God. Collapsible Tupperware seem like actually one of the best ways to store it rather than the fucking tornado of plastic that is in like one of my cabinets that I call yeah. where I we keep the Tupperware. So I thought maybe I was like, oh, this is a solution to the chaos in the Tupperware cabinet. Yeah. Also a good solution. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. see, that is the normal reason why people look it up. I know most people are not thinking, I got to have something that takes up as little space as possible in yeah. my purse. Because they are fucking around at Cheesecake Factory. I am such a fucking bag lady, and like, I love it. I'm not only do I always have the biggest purse you've ever seen, I put, I bring it on stage with me, and I don't even like because I just don't trust these hosts to watch my bag. I love it. I feel like so. I just the amount of times I'm just like, excuse me, and I just sit down this yeah. huge Mary Poppins sack and start telling my jokes, and I don't think there's anything. Maybe that's why I'm struggling with these weird crowds. I need to acknowledge. The right. giant ass bag like, this full isn't of turkey a bit. legs. Yeah. They're like, I just don't trust any of y'all <laughs> in here. 
with my turkey legs. No, yeah, exactly. not I do. <laughs> I do like Miles' idea of like doing a guitar case, like the movie Desperado, where Antonio Banderas yeah. carries around a guitar case, but like it's just filled with collapsible Tupperware or just non-collapsible <laughs> yeah. Tupperware. And and turkey just, legs. Like, yeah, you're just there. Also, I liked what I believed was the reference to the movie Toys because LL Cool J in that film, he didn't like his food touching. Uh, he would say in the cafeteria scenes, he doesn't like his food. And I took that as a habit as a kid because I looked up to LL Cool J at that time and I was like, I don't like my food touching. Yeah. So I demanded similar Tupperware as a kid. And my mom said, well, you will eat the school lunch. Try that. <laughs> what is something you think is overrated, Jasmine? I've already talked shit about L.A., I can't say <laughs> the entire city of Los Angeles. I also have not explored enough of it. I I can't judge all of LA on the Galleria at the Glendale. <laughs> Please don't. Please <laughs> no, don't. That's pretty much. You got it. You got it. That's okay. it. That's yeah, right. that's guy, actually, yeah, we're yeah. trash. That guy's about to be mayor anyway. Something I think is overrated. Oh, this is hard. Um, 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 um. Why? I'm sorry. I'm no, I, no, no I'm making this so much harder than it has to be. Yeah. You know what? Sprinkles cupcakes are overrated. Okay. They're kind of. They have, wow, you they really have... are at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my brain went because yeah. I visualized sprinkles. It's like the usual the... suspects, Kaiser Soze shit. You're like the gallery of sprinkles, the, the Katsuya there. <laughs> I just say it is, they have a chokehold on the cupcake economy. And Man. I feel like they are everybody's go-to when you think of cupcakes. And they're kind of dry. They're kind of, uh, they're kind of not that great. They, I don't even like how formulaic the icing looks it always looks like a human never touched it which right. is supposed to be like oh it's the cupcakes of the future but like i don't like this robot-based economy we're leaning towards i want to see like think fingerprints and shit you know yeah, yeah i want to yeah. know somebody human made this with love yeah 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 it's just, it's just a big thumbprint pushed into the icing on top of your cup <laughs> just a big bite out of the side <laughs> there you go i want to know somebody stuck in there yeah. Yeah. oh no <laughs> pretty soon the robots will be like we place those fake hairs there digitally that's so, so interesting though because that does feel like part of their aesthetic is that no human touched this because you can get the you can get the um well, the, ATM. the vending machine the, yeah the vending machine yeah. that they call the cupcake atm which also again automated like it seems like that is what they're going for like no, yeah that's yeah that's all the appeal of it here. i'm yeah. telling you Susie cakes so much Susie cake, Susie so, much, so better. much better. Oh so my much god, moisture, the strawberry Susie richer. cake cupcake yeah. is a oh, uh, seven-year-old birthday party stopper for me. I will, oh, I will yeah. get very selfish and start elbowing the kids out of the way because <laughs> they do that little divot in the top, so you get extra icing in there. Oh, Susie cakes, oh. the luscious lemon flavor. They know so what good. I'm here for. Yeah. Also. Portos, Portos better. I mean, they don't make cupcakes, but Portos is just great cakes. Oh look, yeah. One thing I like here. Look, look. There it I'm is. Around. <laughs> Came around to the Cuban bakery. What's something sure. you think is underrated? I can't say Beyonce's song, uh, Beyonce's album Renaissance, because everybody's talking about it. It's okay, yeah. blah blah blah. Properly but, like, rated. I, I I guess it is properly rated. Or, but I, I don't feel, know. Unless is there a dimension to it? You you're we're not we're not we're missing. I feel like people are not giving the song all up in your mind the credit it deserves. It is when you look at mm. anybody's list, it is number 12 out of 12. It is all by everybody's least favorite song. And I gave it another listen to it. And there's just like some really great lyrical things going on with it that mm. I think it underappreciated because it just gets, I think it's just the album is so good. Mentally, you need a break. But yeah. I think people need to like give that track. I hope that's the song we get a visual to first right. so that it makes everybody start liking it. I think that is the most underrated song on one of the best rated albums of the year. 
Because yeah. you, you you used to be a DJ, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not okay. a DJ. I was a, a radio host, uh, like a morning show host on a radio show. Yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Because I was like, I know, like with your, you have a, you have an affinity for uh, with music. So I was like, okay, where? What I know you're look the fact that you're even like I got you got to give an album a rest. That's somebody yes. who like listens enough to music because I feel like any album just it will sound completely different the second like if you put a little bit of space in between yeah, the first give, time you heard give it, it a week yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's also, wild how different something can sound how is so important too like the first time I heard Renaissance because I could not wait because it was like Christmas morning for me I turned it on in my hotel room like at a low volume because I didn't want to wake anybody I was right. I was in Atlanta on a show. I was like, oh, this the is cool. The sound of your footsteps dancing is louder than the music. It's actually playing <laughs> shit. Right? Just shuffling. Yeah. Straight up, though, like, and I'm the beest Beyonce fan ever. I thought it was a little, like, I was like, this is kind of like Zara music. This is like retail vibe. <laughs> <Zara. laughs> like, I didn't Hi, welcome like to it. Zara. <laughs> yes. This is it, Zara music. It's <laughs> such a devastating own. It's, it's very fortunate for Beyonce that you came around on the album because I feel like that's, that is a hard hard one to shake it, it took me less than 24 hours the next day i went to the gym headphones on and right. then i was like oh you yeah. just can't listen to this shit sitting down yeah when i right. was like on the treadmill I was like, i'm in my bag 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 like you just have right. to let yourself feel it and i was like yes this is it yeah you first just- time i listened to it off of off my iphone Mm-hmm. Second time, just with headphones on, just like laying down in the sun and just like, just, it was like, it was like a heat wave, I feel like. And I was just like, just being like, yes, give me all this energy now. <laughs> you woke up and your body was dancing. You didn't My even body know was your dan- body I came was just too. dancing uh, unconsciously. I came yeah. too. I was doing a death drop at a ball. I had no <laughs> idea. I had no idea what happened to me. Yeah. Okay. I got to know. I got to know. What is your like, what are your favorite parts? Is there like one thing that pick out that you just love about it? I'm not going to really take I love, I just love, I'm a huge, elect- I'm, I love all music. I used to be a DJ, but like part, like mixing, scratching DJ back in the day cool. and I've made music my whole life. So I really like the shift towards house music because I felt like that's just such a it's such an underrated black genre. And for her to take to step into that, I was like, oh, this is fucking fantastic. And at the same time, opens up a like a conversation about even house music, too, for a lot of people, because a lot of people are like, what is some people like had no idea about house music and its connections to black culture. And people thought she was just making like I think the the sort of vague take people give is like it sounds like zara music while there's like no oh no she's doing something here cozy i think is my favorite song on that album cozy is very underrated when you see people's list most of the time it's like uh, yeah that's number 12 and then cozy like number 11 but it's just you gotta let yourself feel that one i like that one a lot i have been on a heated loop Lately, okay. I went from being like, what is Beyonce doing? To being like, yada, 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 boom, boom. <laughs> 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 like, like, I've completely given into it. I have a fan now. Like, it's out of control. Oh, my God. The other day, I had to. I woke up and I had to put a wrist splint on. And I couldn't tell if it was from sleeping, mm-hmm. texting, mm-hmm. or playing with my fan too <laughs> <laughs> oh, because you were just fan me off. Fan. My wrist goes click. Wow! wow. <laughs> I think I sprained it. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna. They should issue cards. a warning with the album. They should, uh, they they should, should. let people know. Yeah. Jack, yeah. Do you have a Do you have a favorite Beyonce? Moment? I was just I looking at my. I, I have Thick on a playlist. Thick is good. Yeah, I think Thick is is the one that jumped out to me. But I'm also 
famously six months behind on all music. So I love that. Like, I'll, I'll be getting everything. I'm going to come back and listen to this podcast in six months and be like, yes, this is right. This is exactly <laughs> Guys, this how Lil Nas X Old Town Road <laughs> is, I'm it? telling you. It's going to go. Heard of it? This kid's going it? places. So much of my music is just like listening to music and my kids are like, I like that song. And then it gets added to the playlist and then we just like burn it to the ground listening to that song over and over. So, yeah, well, I was into Lil Nas X probably a year after the album came out. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that is, that Jack, is wait till you hear the full accurate. album, man. Montero, yeah. man. You're going to love yeah. it. <laughs> as long as you get there, bud. As long as you get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the timeline of like car commercials. Like once the songs start appearing in car commercials, I'm like, yeah, okay. That's <laughs> that's about when I'm finding out about them too. Uh, you're like, oh, oh, you're like not my cool. dad. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I'm old he's like. Fuck. The NFL likes to use stuff about like six, seven months later. So he was like, <laughs> who sings that? I told you long ago on yeah. the road. And I was yeah, like, right. daddy, are you singing? He's like, he's like, guys, have you guys fucking heard this new track? It's a banger. <laughs> what is this now? I saw it in a Herbal Essences commercial about 25 years ago. Ah, oh, yes, the Herbal Essences song. That was the first concert I went to. But he watches te- TMZ. Funky, funky. <laughs> oh, does he? Yeah, so he knows, like, like he'll be like, that Kanye, did-. he can't name a Kanye song, but he can tell you everything right. Kanye said. It's so funny. He knows funny. that character oh, from the TV show he watches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> My dad's 70, so I'm not comparing you to a 70-year-old man, but, like, you maybe a little. Oh, yeah. I got plenty, <laughs> plenty of 70-year-old man in he's me. He's heard of that Kane West guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. But We Loved is a new podcast about queer history coming May 15th. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS and it's like, what is happening it was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught, a history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. For my heart podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And, you know, the the details, theories are continuing to trickle out about what Trump was doing with all those classified nuclear secrets. And we got one thesis from Trump, Trump whisperer Maggie Haberman that it was just he was just trying to clear his good name. Right. Yeah. It's he has this pattern of just he knows how to throw out a headline to get everybody talking about the headline when what's actually happening is so much worse. So like, you know, the thought of the discussion is like, this guy is fucking, he's absconding with classified documents, top secret documents that nobody should have, let alone somebody who's not the literal president at the moment. And we're trying to like a lot of the speculation was like, Oh my God, he's be selling nuclear secrets. Uh, could be human sources, like, you know, uh, human assets that are in within the, the espionage uh, industry or whatever system, I don't know, whatever I'm trying to say here. You get it. Fucking spies working with the CIA. But we weren't really sure. And although a lot of these are very possible, one thing that we're learning from Maggie Haberman is that there was this one specific plan. I'm just going to read this 
this to you. Mr. Trump, the, for this from the New York Times, quote, Mr. Trump still determined to show he had been wronged by the FBI investigation into his 2016 campaign's ties to Russia, was angry with the National Archives and Records Administration for its unwillingness to hand over a batch of sensitive documents that he thought proved his claims. It was around that same time that Mr. Trump floated the idea of offering the deal to return the boxes in exchange for documents he believed or he believed would expose the Russia investigation as a hoax cooked up by the FBI. Mr. Trump did not appear to know specifically what he thought the archives had, only that there were items he wanted. And then, like, the, the thing goes on to say that everybody around him was like, dude, that is a terrible idea. There's no fucking way that's happening. And so that's just the reporting. He had this idea, and it didn't happen. And now everyone's like, oh, my God, the dude was trying to fucking do a tit-for-tat deal, like, switch-swapping documents. And Marcy Wheeler, who's, you know, writes a lot about this stuff, like kind of points out how, you know, Maggie Haberman, a lot of the time will wittingly or unwittingly fall into these things where Trump will give her a, quote, scoop. And then that headline completely distracts everyone from what is actually happening. And now the discussion is like, was wait, so there's documents that could prove the Russia investigation is a hoax? No, that's not true. But that's what everyone. But now the discussion is. Well, what did these documents have when really there's a, a whole lot of chatter about like there was additional reporting over the weekend that Trump was trying to declassify a ton of documents that related to Russia right before he left office and possibly has some of those that they're still trying to figure out whether or not he has. So it's not really that he almost did this thing. It's that he's continued to do this. And also we found out he was trying to declassify like weaponize more declassified documents at the end of his administration. Right. So it's just a weird thing of just sort of chumming the waters with this like really good headline when other people are pointing out like some other just actual factual problems that would, you know, I guess potentially make its way to Trump or not. We don't know how the justice system will work in this instance, but that's what it seems. Yeah. And this feels like a lot of a lot of ideas and explanations have been put out. And this is the one that seems like it could be. Ser- could serve him well, because at least we've found out that, you know, whatever the motivations for the Russia investigation was there, it doesn't seem like that is ever going to come out as like he was working with Putin to get elected or at least, you know, they would they would have proved it by now. Or also, you're not going to find out that it was a hoax or right. unfounded. That was right. That's been disproven from Jump Street. So right. it's more of like this rhetorical win he's trying to get or he's just so fixated on it. That's what's going on. But at the end of the day, this I think what what Marcy Wheeler is also pointing out is like in 2017, when there's this discussion about what did Donald Trump Jr. talk about with like these like Russian emissaries about potential child adoptions or whatever, which at the time we knew meant was actually sanctions and shit. Right. That, right. There was this whole meeting between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin where there was no like translator that we found out about, like after the fact. But Maggie Haberman, after interviewing him, like kind of buried the lead there and just talked about how like uh, the story that Trump wanted out, which was he wished Jeff Sessions didn't recuse himself from the Russia investigation and all this other side chatter shit. Yeah. So, you know, it's just it's just a wild fucking ride through all, all this watching everybody carry water. Maggie Haberman is in the very bad position that everybody who has ever found themselves in business or in some relationship with Trump is, which is like he always 
those people always end up in jail or having their <laughs> career destroyed or i mean you know like michael cohen was was the guy like coming into the 2016 election he was like the most vociferously pro-trump person but he by like publicly tying himself to trump like any relationship that someone can have with him is eventually going to turn into him destroying them in some way or another by, you know, using them in some self-serving way that has no relationship to the truth and is only kind of serving this black hole that he has in the middle of him of, of like toxic narcissism. So I don't know. Like, I, I think she got there by just wanting to be the person with the access in the Trump world. But now she is she's the same as everybody who finds themselves needing Trump for something. And it, it yeah, like never ends well for them. Yeah. But we'll see. We shall see. I just think yeah. it's yeah, with everything like of all the speculation that's going on that. Yeah. To to sort of ignore the the facts and just go for whatever they think is going to make like the biggest splash of the stories. Yeah. Terribly and of scary, the 2000 but... lies that he has told about why he had those documents like that one seems like it might be it's at least novel for actually like making a certain sense to some people. Right. You know, when... who aren't already brainwashed in the in the MAGA world. And so that becomes the headline because that that is novel. The like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. So what what if there was a version no, of No, 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 not what if. You have documents you shouldn't have. That's right. pretty straightforward. That's it. No right. what ifs. Yeah. Keep it moving. Anyways. Should we talk LA City Council? Yeah, we fucking better. My it's... God. <sighs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Man, this is so I mean, look, this is big this is this is the city, baby. Right. <laughs> I feel like whenever we see scenes like in films. Of like that sort of represent the cynicism and the the cronyism that runs rampant through like city governments. It, there's always like this constant trope where like in public, the people are very like soft spoken, diplomatic. They're like, I'm a I'm here to champion. I'm here with the people and blah blah blah. And then they like cut to the back room where it's like smoking. Like yeah, these fucking sobs. They don't fucking <laughs> know anything. They're a bunch of jerk right. offs. Like that kind of weird sort of switch goes on. Well, my God, this new leaked audio from a few L.A. City Council members is as cliched as it gets, uh, except without the weird New York accent. <laughs> that would be great if they just affected a New York accent. Somehow, right? Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, can you believe that guy Bonin? Yeah, screw that guy. He's with the blacks. Although that is something they did say about. Uh, we'll get to that now. This was this was a leaked recording between City Council President Nuri Martinez and Council Members Kevin DeLeon, Gil Cedillo, and then the Labor Federation President Ron Herrera. And they are just yucking it up like a couple of fucked up cartoon characters who are just they're right now. They're basically talking the whole the whole everything they talk about ranges from how, you know, a gay city council members adopted black son looks like a monkey, as she said. Mm -hmm. There's another one to how they wanted to car. Look, I'll, I think it's it's important to actually play some of these clips yeah. so you can hear for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm telling you, this shit is fucking offensive. It's racist. Although the L.A. Times will call it racially charged, right? <laughs> yeah. But here is this one. This is one where she's talking about this guy's adopted black son about how first of all the kid needs a beat down, uh, right. because he was acting like a child. Yeah. They're raising him like a little white kid, which I was like. This kid needs a beat down. Like, let me let me take him around the corner and then I'll bring him back. Yeah. 
Or a pinch or something. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the fourth button. So anyways, getting back to redistricting. <laughs> getting back to redistricting. Getting back to redistricting. Wow. Yeah. So the again, the point of this meeting was to dilute the power of you know, other black and brown communities in Los Angeles and concentrated in these in these city council members hands to figure out who they could align with to sort of lock up their power. Right. In the was city. the name of this meeting like in the Outlook calendar? Was it like white supremacy meeting like our, our white? Anti, supremacy? Well, yeah. Anti black, yeah. anti indigenous people. They had, I mean, they it was it was wild. They had something to say about uh, like Oaxacan people who lived in Koreatown. They were talking about Mike Bonin. Uh, and his and his adopted child. And then they're saying like, oh, he brings a kid around like a, a high end purse or some stuff. Then they talked about the D.A., Paul Gascon, who isn't a fucked up ghoul like Jackie Lacey was, who, you know, we ousted through a vote. And this one, they're they're describing Paul Gascon as being with the blacks. And I think that's meaning like the black city council members. But it's really I'll, I'll play this again for you. This is this is one of like the act like this is a. A, a progressive district attorney that we have in the city. Uh, and then this is what how they are describing them or, you know, how cynically uh, they discuss him. All the, you know, folks like was asking, he did call me. He wants to have breakfast with me. Um, What's taking him so long? I haven't. I just said, hey, we need to talk. He, you supported him from the... I don't worry. I got you. Um, uh, yeah. So first she's saying this guy, Gil, who's Gil Cedillo, who's in this meeting, it's like that guy had his back or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I know. But, you know, things are changing. So you'll start seeing him line up. He's with the blacks. Isaac was the first. So in the end, she says, yeah, fuck that guy. He's with the blacks. Wow. I you know what? The biggest red flag to me is how you talk about human beings and other mm -hmm. ethnic groups. If you use the word the before right. <laughs> before you're described like the blacks the like you're already you know what i mean like it's yeah. ne you're never gonna say anything positive but this this martinez lady yeah she just she sounds so so hateful like the i need to beat it like that that rage i've noticed people who have like really really deep-seated problematic racism anti-blackness in particular it, it starts with how you how you perceive black children i think how you don't right. see them as children and give right. them the space to be kids. Like that little that little black kid was a nuisance, a disturbance, anything but a child to her. Right. Because right. he was black in public. And, and also, that, yeah, like, that could get straightened out by getting a beat down or something yeah. too. Like, oh, I but, could break him. Mm hmm Because I, and that and it's really, really scary because yeah, we're talking about a city council member, but there are teachers, there are there are principals, there's school there's people who work in schools and look at black children every day like they're just small criminals. Like mm -hmm. they're just waiting for them to get big enough to end up in the prison system. That yeah. that makes me really, really angry. Yeah. That's right. Oh, they talked about even past guests, Hugo Soto Martinez, who came on when I wasn't here. They talked about him and like, you know, Ron Herrera, who's has to do with like labor in the city was like, you know, this guy's coming in and they're talking about how they got to protect uh, Mitch, like the guy he's running against from this guy, Hugo, who's like actually running on a progressive platform to like to actually solve the unhoused pro the problem that we have in the in the city rather than just being like a binary of like well you can go to some facility or you can go to jail which right. is like rick caruso's current ethos like as a leader and people are like you see people making weird content where they're like shaming the unhoused and being like this is why you got to vote for rick caruso 
get these people out of here and make Santa Monica look cool. It's like, no, it's not. That's not the fucking solution. But when you want to reduce it to something where you can just immediately be like, well, you know what? Those aren't people. I'm sure that's a tidier way of looking at an issue rather than like doing the work to say, no, these are human beings that need help with a little bit of support. We can actually turn their lives around or at least attempt to. And if Mm -hmm. they need more help, then we can provide that to them. Not everyone is going to be there. Not everyone's problems are going to be solved the same way. But what we have to do is extend the 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 grace and our ability to look at people with humanity to these people, because that's how you solve it. You don't you don't treat if you treat people like trash, then that mentality continues to like what you're saying, Jasmine, looking at black communities or other brown communities, other communities of color, because in L.A., Black Angelinos make up for about 8% of the population and over 30% of the unhoused population. So we see how there are many ways in which we can address these problems if we can look at people with humanity. But it's clear that the status quo is just about saying, well, some people we need to cast off to the side. Or right. this person, like Nithya Raman, like we gotta, we gotta carve her district up because you know we need to dilute her power or the power of the residents that live in this area who want it see some kind of positive change. And they successfully did that, right? Like her district was carved up and Mm -hmm. she, yeah, like I voted for her in the district that I live in. And, you know, a year later, she was no longer in my district. She no longer represented my district. I was now represented by the guy that they were talking about protecting. Mitchell Farrell. Yeah, Mitchell Farrell, who is running against Hugo. Yeah. So, and yeah. I think it, like it's important to see, you know, just how the status quo it has to. It's like you're you're hearing it in real time how people are saying, "Well, we can't fuck with these people," because right. they're trying to they're trying to you know carve up the power pie in equal slices. Yeah, and we can't do that. Oh, this person wants to actually help like stabilize rent prices. Fuck that. My biggest donors are like commercial property owners. Yeah. So I'm not about to. I'm not about to fucking let this person in the city council get more power. That's that's a threat to my donors. So I'm going to stand out here and say what the fuck needs to happen. And they're saying it. It's it, that's what's so wild is like it's clear as day what they're what they want, how they look at people. And I, I, unfortunately, I think that's that's a pretty normal way. I think not necessarily with the racism, but how cynically people in power will look at relationships within a community or who deserves representation or who does not. Yeah. And what I mean, I don't know, like may, maybe the racism is a, as open as as it sounds like it is uh, in these meetings. And we're just hearing the the recording. But it sounds like they, you know, when, when we're talking about these situations where people aren't treated as human beings and aren't treated with humanity, I think a lot of the time we assume that it's like this. It's just inertia from past institutions and that people wouldn't like aren't behind the scenes actually just saying the thing out loud that is represented by their decisions. So I don't know. I I feel like this is pretty eye opening. I think it's important for people. I think a lot of people we talk about this too. really look at your local politics, really look at your local politics, because you can see like you go outside and look in the street. What you're seeing out there is a reflection of the leadership that you're picking or in a lot of instances, not picking because a lot of people in L.A. don't fucking they sit. They stay at home for city council votes, which allows this group of insincere fucking clowns to just have their meetings and be like, hey, what are we going to do about the blacks? Oh, the Jews already made a deal with South L.A. Like using this kind of language and 
Like that's what their aim is, is to cut people out of being able to, you know, dictate what their lives can be. Yeah. Yeah. So as of now, uh, the only one person who's actually resigned is Ron Herrera, but he wasn't on the city council. Nuri Martinez said she is taking a leave of absence. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Uh, no, all these fucking people need to resign, uh, which is wild because yeah. I was like, damn, you know, like there's so many pro- good progressive candidates coming up for city council. And I'm like, wow, it's self-cleaning. Maybe it might right. it might do the job for itself. But as of now, a lot of people are being like sitting on their hands. Some people have called for resignations while others haven't. And it's been a very it's been straight fucking chaos. <laughs> yeah. In terms of local politics. And I think, you know. I think the point that Jasmine made is a really good one, that the treatment of black children is something that is going to be clear to everyone except people who are like thoroughly, you know, committed to anti-black racism. And it is it happens every day in classrooms like you see it with like people call it the, you know, classroom to jail pipeline. And, you Mm -hmm. know, that that shit is real and it should be the easiest story to tell people to let everybody understand that there is a huge fucking problem that is, you know, instinctively is, is, you know, devastating that we, we need to be paying attention to. And like the, the fact that that is the basis for, or at least like the kind of number one thing that is for first being called attention to in the, in this, in these leaked recordings, I think is at least good for calling attention to that you know Mm -hmm. that it's there and it's constant i think being able to you know take that next step right of uh, understanding what racism is or what discriminatory behavior is is to say okay are you is your ability to analyze shit at level one where you hear a tape like this that's so on its face racist and go oh my that's that's bad that's racist i don't like that can you then go a couple layers further down and look at how policies, whether they just even though they're maybe completely uh, deracialized language in a language sense, because you're just looking at legislation. But then can you look at who that affects and who it protects and then from there begin to extrapolate whether or not this is something, a bill that would favor a group of people over another and then be able to apply the same level of outrage to that? Or does it always have to have the N-word or some shit like that in it for people to be like, right. that's racism? That's what drives me crazy. That's what drives yeah. me crazy about a lot of people. And I don't want to like single out people on the right, but I kind of am here because I've noticed this thing of like, well, you know, you're the ones making it all about race. You know what I mean? I didn't bring up race at all. It doesn't say anything. All I'm saying is that yeah. This is that and the other. And it's like if you if you can see what's clearly in front of you, then you're making things about race and making things more divided. I've just I I've just dealt with this a lot with a, a lot of people where to derail an issue, they'll pretend that race has nothing to do with it. Yeah. And it's just this completely odd thing. And like unless a cross is burning in your front yard, nothing's actually racist. And you yeah. can't actually ever see something as like this is instinctively causing harm to this group. That's willful. Uh, or if, and if you point out unfairness, then you're like, you know what I mean? Like, oh God, this the discussion about CRT is a big one. Um mm-hmm. I have family and friends that are teachers in the South. And just like this just I, I keep bringing up education here because I, I think I'm just I am so personally I we we overuse this word, but personally triggered by her knee jerk, just joking around about physically harming a black child. That mm-hmm. it's like, it's something in my gut, the auntie in me is bothered. And mm-hmm. and 
but like, that's a big thing is like, well, you know, if we talk about race, then we're being racist. And (laughs) so then it's this like backwards thing where you can do things that actually harm people and create situations that are unfair as long as you don't discuss race because the problems in the words and it's 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 just this weird outpouring of like it's this backlash to this i I don't know this this kind of like 90s gen x thing of just just don't just don't call anything anything just don't say black don't say white and it's like you can acknowledge a pro like it's the dehumanization it's it's the the you know what i mean and and that's so frustrating to me i mean yeah try to to the point of like trying to go le- levels deeper, like try to view your society with fresh eyes. If you're coming to it with fresh eyes, you see that Black Americans are caged in prisons and jails at rates beyond what was happening in South Africa, like in the 80s during during mm-hmm. apartheid, like be, beyond what, and, and it's like something then that everyone recognized as a humanitarian disaster and issue and. It is happening around you right now. And then, you know, to Miles, your point, the, you know, outsized representation of Black Angelinos on in in the unhoused community. Like, Mm -hmm. just try to take a step back and just why is that? Why is that what person who says it's not racism? What's your answer? Right. Because I bet it's probably gonna be some racist shit, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, those people, which people? Right. Well, it also, okay, as a black, (laughs) I guess I'm a black angel, I don't know, a black resident of Los Angeles County, okay? Yeah. I don't know, okay, Los Los Angeles is one of the most diverse places I've ever been. That's the most segregated place. Yes! Segregated, like, okay, and I, I, it's interesting to see to me, like, there's more ethnicities that are more divided, and more like, this part of town is this, and this, which I think is super cool, I think it's great. In some ways, it's very great to have spaces that are historically this culture is represented. You know, I've never had Ethiopian food till I moved here. You right. know, I know, like you get to experience all these things in these pockets. But I feel like for a lot of Black Americans in Los Angeles, like the areas for Black Americans for, but the areas where they are shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, and and they're getting priced out. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we're not really doing anything about that, and. It's sometimes it's it's hard too because we want to be like well you know like the BIPOC representation's great there's so many Asian and Hispanic people in Middle Eastern and blah 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 and I'm like okay but black but black let's just say black that's let's talk still about part the, of yeah let's like, talk about the anti blackness that's happening and then and then you're being divisive but it's just like it it's it's interesting to see I don't I don't I don't no, I don't I, have enough it is um, I and mean, yeah like you know I'm my my dad's black grew up in L A. And they've and my family or before that, my grandparents came from Chicago mm-hmm. and then they they settled here like in the 50s or, you know, they they started a family here in the 50s. And it's always been like that. I remember, you know, growing up, just South L.A. was just where black people lived. And then there were pockets of of black people over people or, you know, then people end up going to like Lancaster or Palmdale and things like that. But as you look at it right now, the places that are, you know, like you look at Baldwin Hills, which used to be called like the Black Beverly Hills is now becoming people are getting priced out. It's gentrifying because it's close to Culver City where a lot of tech companies have rooted themselves now. And it's and it, you are seeing just like the it, it, the communities just don't look the same. And a lot of people, especially progressive like p- politicians or people running for leadership in the city, understand how essential it is like that we have these vibrant communities that like communities of color, because that's actually what makes L.A. L.A. 
uh, over time, if we just let the market play out, it is just going to be completely just bulldozed. And this, the neighborhoods aren't going to sound the same, look the same, smell the same. Just we're going to lose all of these characteristics. And that's really a huge part of what's at stake just with affordable housing. Yeah. Is to yeah. be able to keep people where they fucking been for generations and, and understand that that's their right to be there rather than siding with fucking commercial real estate developers or landlords and be like, actually, you have a right to make massive profits and crank up your rent fucking 10x every year if you fucking want yeah. to. I don't give a shit. Fuck those people. That's what we stand to lose. That's that's the main issue that Ugo and Nitya are fighting for. And of course, that is the that is who they are talking about tactically taking out of positions of power in this meeting that we're talking right. about. Like that was the function of the meeting. And I mean, and and then you ask the question of where will those people go who get priced out of the the neighborhoods and get moved out? And like just going back to the prison, like we we came across a detail where someone was talking about they were working on a prison documentary and the filmmakers were moving around non-black prisoners to be in more shots to cover up the truth that this uh. is a system for caging black Americans. Like that is one of the primary functions of, of this system. And that is so visually evident that they had to cover that up just to make to make a different point because when you look at just what the reality is it that's the only point that you come away with so but, like that's how thorough and kind of intricate the lying is but it's so many people love to believe the lie that like well black people just commit more crimes they're right. just they just love crime they just they just right. wake up and they're like mm, crime for breakfast like that's yeah. just it they'd rather just believe there's some intrinsic like some intrinsic like I don't know, just some deformity with us. Like, instead of seeing that, like, maybe these areas are over-policed. Maybe the the judges are biased. Maybe they give strong, they do, they absolutely do give bigger, longer sentences to Black Americans. And I mean, yeah. it's, I, they just, I, if you ever looked at the, maybe you guys, you guys are on the pulse of everything. Did you look up on Twitter when there was that thing, criming while white, and white people would just admit to, like, petty shit they did as teenagers in their 20s? <laughs> where they could have gotten, like, long sentences they didn't. Right, And right. when I just think about, like, now even, like, you know, I'm in my 30s, but just, like, like I didn't even touch marijuana until I moved here because right. I don't do anything illegal. <laughs> I don't do right. anything illegal because I know there's no grace for me. I know mm. there's no grace for people who look like me. And I know so many people who are just not even white, but just not Black, who kind of have this understanding that they will be given grace, that they can make mistakes. And they won't forfeit their entire lives. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the same thing of like, it's funny, like when I was a kid, people were like, oh, let's go on this. Per let's let's go to the, like grab some shit off this person's lawn. I'm like, bro, I can't go on with some fucking person's fuck that. We're right. like, what? I'm like, you are white, bro. Like I'm I'm raised different. My dad told me, fuck, all bets are off when you cross somebody's property line because some motherfucker literally is waiting for that. Yes. Right, to do harm to you. Yes, so like me, that Martinez bitch, because she would, she's the type, if a black kid ran across her lawn, to just be like, you're on my yeah, property. That's yeah. that mentality. One of the most powerful people in Los Angeles, and that's how she views a child. Yeah. Like, or, and yeah, it is, it is a completely different thing. And to your point, like, it's really about people, Americans have to evolve their thinking. We say this every fucking almost day, I feel like, how they define crime. 
Because right. crime isn't to your the version that you know you're pointing out, Jasmine, that some people like to believe, which is some people are just fucked up bad guys from a comic book character, and it's a whole community of them. Or a whole group of people have been disenfranchised systematically for centuries, are left to 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 fend for themselves with very little resources, are excluded from the traditional economy, so other ways of surviving emerge. That might be extra legal. Now, are these people doing it for the fucking hell of it? People don't commit crime for fun. If people are committing crime, sometimes a lot of shit is survival crime. And that's and it's wrong to look at that and say, well, this person stole this shit from a store. Well, do, I'm sorry, are people stealing the same shit in the, the supported communities? I don't no. think so. Because not they, baby formula, they have, not they have so access to resources. So when you see that shit locked up, which you should be saying is, Oh, we're failing these people. Yeah. Yes. We're failing these people. Not these people are fucking criminals. No, that the crime is a fucking expression of your failure of leadership. Not right. of these people's entrenched, you know, genetic dis predisposition to commit crime. And I think as long as we let that narrative cook or be unchallenged with like news stories that just take police data of uncritically then we're going to continue that. We'll never be able to really get to that point where we have to extend that humanity to people to understand, well, the solution is actually giving people support, like every single fucking study shows. Not Sidebar, uh, yeah. I had never heard the expression extra legal before, and I'm going mm -hmm. to start running with it. Like, yeah. I, I didn't know that was an expression, a, a real thing to say, but I'm going to use it <laughs> to do anything I want. <laughs> I'm like, it was extra legal yeah, for me yeah. to come in with three coupons. So <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. But yeah. 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 I mean, so it's yeah. The it's a fucked up story. We're gonna continue to be paying attention to the LA City Council and hopefully having some people on who can speak to it a little bit, because as we mentioned before, the LA City Council is uh, you know, they are some of the most powerful people in Los Angeles. But yeah, I, as you guys have mentioned, this is a larger story that, you know, is just, it's inculcated in every, everything. The messaging that Black Americans get about their value from culture created by people who don't see their value is like, you know, it's just, it's, it's everywhere and it's, enraging and you know yeah i mean you know it's and i think that's why we're such at a, such a critical moment in the city right we have rick caruso one of the biggest fucking commercial real estate developers running to be mayor yeah like and and then you have a whole group of people in the city council who want to be lockstep with him to be like you know how we get rid of unhoused people right you just ship them the fuck out of here we don't, we don't Caruso solve would it. Stay in his lane and just put a Susie Cakes in the mall. You know, just, just, just do what we of ask. Give things. us variety in our cup. You know what I mean? Just stick he's to got, He's know. got your vote if he's like, hey, I'll replace this, the fucking sprinkles with Susie Cakes. You're no, like, I vote for him as the mayor of malls. But go be that. Go go be Mayor McGalleria. Just do that and nothing else. I'll be yeah. so happy. Right. Stay away from everything else. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Airbnb horror movies. But We Loved is a new podcast about queer history coming May 15th. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. 
The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught, a history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. For My Heart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right.
we're back and it's been a real horror movie like bonanza at the box office boffo bio for horror movies uh smile was number one for the second weekend in a row this past weekend and a month ago this movie barbarian which you're not allowed to talk about <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's a movie where the marketing campaign is like yo don't just just go see it don't say a single damned thing about what what it is so we're gonna we're gonna talk about one just one very small part of the premise that I think you learn within like 15 minutes. So if if you are really still trying to not know a single damn thing about Barbarian, maybe skip, maybe skip, skip ahead to the podcast. Barbaric discourse abounds. So part of the reason for Barbarian's success might be that it features the best horror movie villain of recent years, which is Airbnb. So <laughs> the, it, the premise is a woman arrives at a, a rental you know, like a Airbnb type rental only to find that some other dude is using it and things get worse from there. And the the things that people are telling you like not to spoil are more the things that happen after that. So I think we're, I think we're okay. I've still not okay. seen it. I still feel like I can go in with eyes closed as to, you know. Okay. I haven't seen it, but you know what's hilarious? There is a Netflix rom-com with the exact premise. But, like, it goes well. So it's called In the Villa, because, like, it's called In the Villa, and it is about this girl who has a vacation rental, and she shows up, and a guy is there, and she's like, get out of my house. And he's like, you get out of my house. And then they start pranking each other and fall in love. So Mm. I feel like this is, like, the dark coin of that. It's like, the pranks (laughs) must be murders, is what you're, I'm assuming. Well, that's so funny. Our writer Jam is pointing out that, you know, in in the 80s, the big sort of new new idea that they had was making horror movies in the suburbs because a lot of people were moving to the suburbs and were like part part of the idea was you buy a home, you like sink most of your money into owning a home and then the home is poltergeisted, you know, like the (laughs) home turns out to be haunted. And so it's like a financial horror story as well. But, you know, today, you know, millennials and Gen Z who can't afford homes in the suburbs, the the horror today makes it makes sense. And just all stories, I guess, make sense being not about home ownership, but the fact that we're always stuck living inside some weirdos property. And, you know, Airbnb <laughs> is a really clear distillation of that anxiety and all the like home rental things that, yeah, I mean, there's been a there's been a bunch of these movies that like there's a movie called The Rental, which even before the horror stuff starts, one of the characters is subjected to racism from the host, which is a documented huge problem in real life Airbnbs. And Airbnb is like, we're trying to address it. Like they have a they tried in one city to just give people the initials of their renters. But I mean, if the if the person is going to be racist, then it's not going to be a good situation. Hey, change that profile pic, fam. Right. See, but I almost I feel like I want the opposite. Like I I want them to know I'm black so they can just deny me before I'm black on their property getting treated poorly because they thought I was white. Yeah. 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 It's funny. The first time uh, the first time I got rejected from Airbnb, like using my own picture, I was just like, oh, okay. And I was like, hey, Nick, why don't you try uh, getting booking this thing real quick? And he's like, yeah, instant book. I'm like, yeah, okay. All right, you know what? I'm going to have to say no to this fucking place real quick. Right. But yeah, I mean, it ha- it happens for sure. And it's funny how they try, like you're saying, they try to just keep it like, like a fucking, like a confessional booth where it's like, I know not of any detail of you, God's child. 
Right. Mm-hmm. He's rent yeah. my income property. Yeah. And I mean, this there there was also a long trend of people in uh, horror movies that were set in hotels, like The Shining. Psycho is probably the best example of like, what if you checked into like really the worst possible hotel situation that you could come up with. There's also one 1408 that I haven't seen, but just the innate creepiness of sleeping in an unfamiliar room owned by strangers. But even in that case, like the hotel industry wasn't the thing that was itself evil. And now it it feels like Airbnb just like fits much better to the, to the extent that the rental was also has a plot where the villain is a former renter who caught made copies of the keys and then can get into the house. And, <laughs> and that was sorry. And that is a spoiler for the rental, but that was actually something that happened in 2015 in a real Airbnb oh, that gosh. resulted in sexual assault. But Airbnb wrote the survivor a check for $7 million in exchange for a signed agreement, not to talk about it. So it, but so the movie came out before anyone knew that that had already happened in 2015. So Oof. it's, yeah, it, it is really like scary, scary times. When, it's like Airbnb is like the internet was like in 95 or some shit. We were like, ooh, we're like just the concept of it like embodies so much already. Like right. Airbnb where you're like, yeah, man, I heard about the racism. I heard about hidden cameras. I hear about fucking people making copies of keys and spying on people. It's like, yeah, okay, there's a lot to play with there. All of that is, see, this is why, okay, I don't do horror. Like, I am a scared, scared bitch. I, I, every other genre movie, I love it. Fun fact about myself, I am married to a man that is a horror writer. Like, he's an aspiring horror writer. He's been published. Lives and breathes it. Reads it, watches it, um, writes articles about it. He was uh, published, like, part of his novel was published on the No Sleep podcast. Lives and breathes the scary, scary stuff. (laughs) He's not aspiring. He's a, he's an actual horror writer. Yeah, you know what's awesome. funny is he makes me say aspiring. No, because... he's not. He's real. No, hey, get him in here. Let's do some quick <laughs> therapy real quick. <laughs> because he doesn't like to like take too much credit, which is like so the opposite uh, of L.A. Everything yeah, is humble. like, I, I modeled once, so I'm a model. You know, my yep. hand was in a commercial. You know, <laughs> Take it to like, make it. He, yeah. He's earned money at this. I won't let me call him an actual whatever. No, anyway. if you made, that's, that's pro. Okay. But he's yes. a pro. Okay. Pro. A pro? See, y'all yeah, are, I love it. Yeah. I am so scared of everything. And like, I try to support this man from a distance, but like he's seen every, all the scary stuff you're talking about. He's seen all of it. And the thing is, is I, I can't do any horror movie made after like 2000, 2001, because everything stopped being supernatural. And now like the killers are just crazy people. And I can't, you know what I mean? I can't. Oh, it's like not someone in a mask. It's like, hi, I'm your gardener. Ooh. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I need it to be ghost spirits, demons, goblins, vampires. You know, some shit that like, uh, you know, my my Christian guilt makes me think isn't real. Right. Yeah. No, I, if it's a, a a guy, a guy who I live with. Who just night, made a I, key. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah right. That is too. It's too scary for me. And also, I'm on the road a lot. I stay in a lot of. I only do hotels. There you I go. only do chain hotels. I like I very, very specifically for that reason. Also, I just hate paying to clean a place. Like, oh, I have yeah, to that's already it. absurd. Yeah. I have to clean it, then pay to have it clean. One or the other. Like, why both? Like, I'm, right. I'm not paying a cleaning fee and cleaning. That's stupid. I'm sorry, $300? How about I don't pay that? I'll clean the shit myself. Just don't charge me $300 <laughs> fucking dollars and right. then ask me to clean, too. Right. That's stupid. The Holiday Inn has got me. You know what I mean? Now, do I come in there 
with my uh, my Lysol wipes and like like wipe everything down. And my down. Tupperware of food just overflowing yes. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but I just I just Airbnb is giving me the like one time I had to stay in one, and the washer dryer broke. And they like tried to claim I broke it and it was this whole back and forth. And that was like a legal nightmare. Like, like they didn't, they really couldn't prove that I broke it, but just all I did was wash my clothes. But it's just, it's too much rigmarole. It's too, it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. And there, yeah. Figured it out. There's also the, the fact that like, you know, I, I know that there were stories about somebody swinging on a swing at an Airbnb. It was like a older, older gentleman. And, it was like a rope swing hanging from a tree, but because it's not, you know, a hotel that has a legal team that goes through on a regular basis, and it was like, this is a liability. They hadn't checked the swing. The uh, branch broke when he sat on it, and it killed the guy. And, oh, my like, God. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the shit that you just have to, when you're going into an Airbnb or, like, any situation like that, like, these are not vetted. You know, they, they don't have a vetting team yeah. that's, you know, watching their ass so also they use the doll furniture like just like the cheapest ikea furniture with like prison mattresses like it's just (laughs) it's not good yeah Yeah. it's because sometimes it truly is a mirage and like you're saying like how all these films kind of like embody some sort of dimension of our current dystopia like an air the promise of an airbnb and all of our dreams and yeah. shit, like in <laughs> the dreams that haven't been fulfilled, whether it's regards to being able to trust each other or affordable yeah. housing. It's all there. It's a great premise for a horror movie, though. There's a there's a new one coming out called All My Friends Are Dead about a group of this is a quote, a group of close college friends who get a steal on a killer Airbnb for the biggest music festival of the year. And <laughs> that hey, wording, hey, hey. that language is foreshadowing. That sounds like some shit. That <laughs> someone my age had <laughs> came up with about, an idea, yeah. one coach and like, you know, fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, dude, yeah. this whole fucking house, right? Like, yeah. we get a fucking seal on this place, dude, but it's fucking <laughs> like there's a fucking killer that lives in here, dude. And like, that's the ultimate cost, dude. And we juxtapose that with like all the fucking joy that we're feeling, dude. Yeah, 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 dude. Chop yeah. another one up. Oh, my, that's so funny. You know what? You bring up a, a, a great point about like how millennials, we can't afford houses. So the dream is just to take a nice vacation. And I feel like that's happening with every established piece of media is like, we have to be more realistic. Like, you know how they have the housewife franchises? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a new one called Real Girlfriends of Paris. Like we like, no, nobody's a housewife. No one can afford (laughs) to just be married and live in the house. All right. Now you're just a girlfriend in Paris. That works. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, like Jen's going to eat that up. Like relatable. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Parasite. Also like the movie that, you know, took over the Academy Awards a few years back and is, you know, maybe I think it'll probably be one of the movies from the past. 10 years that everybody kind of goes back to as as like a classic is also about people you know not not being able to afford a house and like basically living in a house that doesn't belong to them and like you know the the hell that our our world of real estate like provides so i don't know yeah Yeah. So Rick Caruso, give up on running for mayor and just start generating all the movies based on all the horrors you've seen behind the scene of being a real estate magnate. I feel like. Or, hey, tune into the new Netflix show uh, from the people from Selling Sunset comes Renting Sunset, (laughs) (laughs) which you're going to love. You're going to love. 
Well, Jasmine, it's been such a pleasure having you. Where can people find you, follow you, all that good stuff? Oh, okay. I'm on all the things at Jasmine Ellis Comedy. Uh, just so you know, Jasmine's spelled with an E at the end, so don't mix the Jasmine Ellis. Uh, Jasmine Ellis Comedy, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the good stuff. I am actually, this is going to, you guys do this like daily, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it drops tomorrow. Oh, cool, cool, cool. If you're in LA, I am at the Comedy Store tonight because it'll be Wednesday. Yeah, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday okay. night in the belly room. I'm going to be opening for the hilarious Vanessa Gonzalez. And it's going to be a good time. So just follow me on all the things at Jasmine Ellis Comedy and see what I'm doing next. Amazing. And is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, um, so much social media. I'm a, okay. I love TikTok. TikTok is a big hole for me. Yeah, My okay. current favorite thing is lineman drama. So apparently in like oh. the, the the deep, deep south in the Midwest. Was they it got like this... basket bunnies or some shit? Yeah, uh, yes, basket bunnies. <laughs> okay, so the men who put the electrical wire up, they have to travel a lot. And there right. are these women, like groupies for them, called like uh, basket bunnies who are right. like trying to break up their marriages. <laughs> and I love drama that has nothing to do with me. I don't know <laughs> nothing about electrical yeah. wires or this part of the south, but I love it. So yeah. if you know any more niche specific drama, please drop it in my inbox. I love it. I live yeah. here. I, I was so it. confused. I was like, what is going on? Because the, the drunk, like people were talking as if like the way we were talking about fucking racism. Right. Like, these fucking basket bunnies and you're like basket what bunnies the utah moms uh with the, all of that the utah women the, yeah. the soft swinging which is like swinging but you're not allowed to do penetration all yeah. of that is very funny to me the fights between brat stall owners i wow. i keep up with that kind of drama on my tiktok so if you ever just see some video that on my tiktok that looks like it has nothing to do with me wait two seconds and then you'll just see a close-up of my face like Here's what the fuck <laughs> i i love niche drama and i i post about one of those a week of just stuff i found on tiktok that has nothing to do with me <laughs> uh miles where can people find you what's the tweet you've been enjoying Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Also, check uh, Jack and I out on Miles and Jack Got, Got Mad, Mad Boosties. Boosties. That is our basketball podcast. Oh, my gosh. The season is so close. So close. Uh, and then also, if you like trash TV, well, come watch me and Sophia Alexandra get loud, smoking loud, talking about 90 Day Fiance on our show, 420 Day Fiance, uh, if that so pleases you. Okay, some tweets that... I like. Let's see. Where is the first one? Oh, okay. First one is from South Streets at Gunna NJ Boy tweeted. I'm so glad the music in the club be loud because I'd be farting and shit. Love that. Love that so much. Just so true. Look, and great. You know, that's your time to do it. Uh, And then another one from uh, at Alex Shane Moore tweeted. Living in France will be so cool. You get to be rude all day. The hospital is free. Your wife has six boyfriends. And all you've (laughs) thought about since you could remember is dying. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good life. I like that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Uh, a couple tweets I liked. Linz tweeted, Today, whilst out shopping, I tried on a beautiful jacket. It was the jacket of a customer trying on another jacket, and now I can never go shopping again. <laughs> I feel like I would do that shit. <laughs> and I also liked a tweet from uh, Mike Levinson tweeted, My friends and I only talk shit about people who deserve it. We aren't gossips. We are vigilantes. 
I think that's just a nice way to think about you go. when you're talking shit about people who deserve it. You know, I like that though. Like, but how do you measure that? That ETH? Like, don't worry what, about what are they? Yeah, all right. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I fuck with it too. I'm like, they deserve it. They deserve it. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at the Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, DailyZeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do you think people might enjoy? I'm I'm still wishing that look the temperatures are finally starting to drop in LA and I'm kind of caught in between wishing it was warm but also ready to put sleeves on my body but while I still think of the sunlight I think of this track it's called No Me Quieres and it's by Sumo Hair we did a Sumo Hair track maybe a month or two ago but this is Sumo Hair featuring Fabi Reina and it's just again makes you feel like the sun is still out a little bit so if it's gray where you're at maybe put this on just to give you a little bit of a you know a vitamin D like as if the sun is shining on you uh, mm. experience so this is uh, No Me Quieres All right. by Sumo Hair well we will link off to that in the footnotes the Foot Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows yeah. that is going to do it for us this morning we're back this afternoon to tell you what is trending and we will talk to you all then bye bye Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people 
It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.